Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And when it became clear to the one rabbi friend of mine that he would lose his job, lose his wife, lose his children, lose his house, lose his family, lose his community, tragically, that rabbi turned and denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? because he loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And the other rabbi, friend of mine, who happens to have the same name as my third son, Joshua Cantor, he left his synagogue, moved to Pennsylvania, and he went into business, which was a tragedy because he became the only Jew in business. That's a joke. It didn't come off, God, I ruined it. doesn't matter. But he went into business. All right. He did not deny the Lord Jesus Christ. What was the difference between the two rabbis? One loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. The other loved the praise of God more than the praise of men. Being more concerned about what others think about a person rather than what God thinks of the person, it's a serious problem. The Lord Jesus Christ said, that's so serious, that'll keep you out of heaven because he said in John 5, how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? You ever overheard a conversation? I did. (laughs) I got a pocket call. (laughs) Do you know what a pocket call is? It's when you drop your phone in there, and it pushes a button, and it calls you, and you don't know that, and that happened to me. And so I thought it was a real call. So what else could I do but listen for 30 minutes? (laughs) Anyways, it was a conversation in between two, and it was like, this one was trying to impress, and this one was trying to impress, and they were both trying to impress each other. And after 30 minutes, I got bored and hung up. But anyway, see, the Lord Jesus calls it seeking honor of man rather than seeking the honor of God. The Lord made it clear if a person is more concerned about the opinion of others rather than the opinion of God, he cannot believe. It's going to block him. So when Leah said in verse 13, the daughters will call me blessed, we want to say to Leah, Leah, who cares about the daughters and what they're going to call you? The more important question is, what's God going to call you? So as we see in verse 13, we're afraid that Leah has fallen into this state here of what is called in the Bible the fear of man, the fear of man. I'm afraid of what those daughters are going to call me. That's the fear of man. And the fear of man is identified in the Bible in Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. See, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Now, the fear of man brings a snare. Where might Leah have learned about the trap, the snare that the fear of man brought from someone in her family, her extended family? That's a hint. Who had the fear of man and fell into a trap that Leah would have known about? 
Okay. Well, maybe an in-law. There's another hint. An in-law. Say it. Not an outlaw. An in-law. Okay. A great in-law. Huh? Yeah, it's the history is there. It's a great grandfather Abraham. In Genesis 12, 11 through 13, which we already studied, it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Of course, not to say what's going to happen to her, but anyway. And then later on, and that was in Genesis 12, later on in Genesis 20, verse 2, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarai. And then in Genesis 20, verse 11, Abraham said, because I thought that surely the fear of God is not in this place, they will slay me for my wife's sake. See, in Genesis 12, 11, it says that Abraham and Sarah were on their way to Egypt. They hadn't gotten there yet. They were on their way, hadn't come to Egypt yet. And on their way, Abraham was just gripped His imagination is overpowered with this fear of man. Away he runs. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He's got the whole scenario worked out to the T. First, they'll see Sarah's pretty. She's beautiful. Second, they'll ask if she's married. Third, they'll find out I'm the husband. Fourth, they'll kill me. And so they they can get Sarah. He's got it all worked out. Fear of man. Fear of man. It hijacks the imagination. It works out a precise scenario and overrules the will to make wrong decisions. That all happened in Genesis chapter 12, and then it played out. So when Abraham was finally confronted, he says later on, because he did it twice, you know, once wasn't enough, so he had to do it a second time. So in verse 11 of chapter 20, he said, surely I thought the fear of God is not in this place. The fear of man brought Abraham into the snare of not believing that God had power in Egypt and with the Philistines. The fear of man brought Abraham into the snare of not believing that unless the Egyptians and the Philistines were afraid of God, that God had no power over them. The fear of man brought Abraham into the snare of believing that God's power was limited to only those who believed in him. The fear of man brought Abraham into the snare of unbelief of of believing that God was not able to protect him from the Egyptians and the Philistines. Why? Why did the great father of faith get reduced to this level of unbelief, not believing in the power of God because of the fear of man? Why Why did Abraham, who is called in the Bible in Romans 4, 16, the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, who is called in Galatians 3, 9, so then they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham, why did this man, Abraham, who's held up to us as an example in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should thereafter receive for an inheritance, obeyed, he went out, knowing not whither he went. And Hebrews eleven seventeen by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and it's received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. Why this great man of faith became reduced to a man who had no faith, in God's power over the Egyptians, and God's power to protect him. Why did Abraham have so little faith that he lied about Sarah, his wife, putting his wife into a state of danger? The fear of man. The fear of man blinded Abraham. The fear of man brought Abraham into a snare of unbelief that he could not see God. 
And we wish that we could say that what happened down in Egypt was the only time. No, it happened again, as we know. See, this shows us the fact that it happened twice with Abraham, that we might have won or once over being paralyzed by the fear of man, or maybe we did get paralyzed by the fear of man, and we came out of it and said, I'm never do that again, only to come to another surprising challenge that comes and again fall into the fear of man. Unless we should just think that this was a special problem for Abraham, the Bible goes on and it tells us about Aaron, who when Moses left him alone, says, okay, you're in charge, I'm going up to the mountain, everything's happening under your watch, Aaron. And what happens? Moses comes down, he finds it under Aaron's watch. The people made a calf and were worshiping it. And when Moses came to Aaron and said, what in the world happened? The conversation went like this in Exodus 32, 21. Moses said unto Aaron, what did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great of sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord be waxed hot. Thou knowest the people, they're set on mischief. They said unto me, make us gods which will go before us. For after this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what's become of him. I said unto them, whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me. I cast it into the fire. Out came this calf. Unbelievable. <laughs> the Aaron was afraid of the people. Aaron had the fear of man. That caused Aaron to, to fall into the snare of unbelief. He didn't, Aaron fell into the snare of unbelief, not believing that God would help him when Moses went up there on Sinai with God. Not believing that God would be with him. Believing that God was busy with Moses. Didn't have time for Aaron. You know, leave a message. And lying to Moses by telling Moses that, you know, somehow he was trying to keep these evil people from making this golden calf. So he asked them, he says, take all your gold that you're going to make the calf with, and I'll throw it in the fire so you won't be able to use it. Out popped the idol. He really thought Moses was going to believe that story? (laughs) Why Why did Aaron allow the people he was left in charge with to make the golden calf. Why did Aaron, the great high priest, not believe God was able to help him stop the people from making the golden calf? Why did Aaron, the father of the priestly tribe, lie to Moses about how this golden calf just popped out of the fire? The fear of man. The fear of man brought Aaron into the snare of unbelief. And you think it was only Aaron? King Saul. King Saul. Was it a serious problem with King Saul? He lost his position as king over Israel because of this. He disobeyed God. God said, destroy all the Amalekites, everything in Amalek. Saul allowed his people to keep the best that they found in in Amalek. You see Saul walking and says, look what I found. Wow, how often I've been looking for this. That cost Saul his position as king of Israel. The question is, why? Why did Saul fall so terribly? It cost him the kingdom. Saul told Samuel, in 1 Samuel 15, 24, Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. That was Saul's explanation for why he decided not to obey God, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Saul had the fear of man, and because he, and he fell into the snare of unbelief, that it was more important to obey the people than God. And then the great apostle Peter, he's the hallmark, Peter, who in the moment of surprise fell into the fear of man, as recorded for us in Matthew 26, 69. Peter sat without in the palace. A damsel came unto him saying, thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. He denied before them all saying, I know not what thou sayest. When he was gone into the porch, another maid saw him, said unto him, 
that was there. This fellow also was with them, Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by said unto Peter, Surely thou was also one of them. Thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. I mean, first we see in this picture, he's a person, he's off guard, and it says a, a damsel, a, a young girl, uh, comes to him. He's sitting there, he's sitting there trying to sort of blend in, kind of like Adam trying to hide behind the trees. You know, he's sort of sitting there. Young girl comes up to him, says, I think you were with him. And he falls into the snare of unbelief. He denies he'd ever been with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Peter leaves the place. He tries to blend in again. And again, a young girl comes claiming, you've been with him. And again, he has the fear of man. He falls into the snare of unbelief at that time. He takes an oath before God. Again, he denies with an oath. I do not know the man. Then confronted by several who said, no, you were with him. We were sure we saw you with him. And then... He adds to the oath, swearing and cursing, saying, I know not the man. How could this be? How could the person who gave us the hallmark proclamation that Jesus Christ is God, when he said it in the few chapters before, Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. How could this brave proclaimer that Jesus Christ is God be reduced to say with an oath, with swearings and cursings, I know not the man. How could Peter go from proclaiming him as God, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, to saying, I know not the man? The fear of man. The fear of man. The fear of man brought Peter into the snare of unbelief. That's the same fear of man that we see here in the life of Leah. In verse 13, when she said, the daughters will call me blessed. When Rachel said to Leah, Naphtali, I've wrestled with my sister, I've won. Who did Rachel say that to? Who heard Rachel say that? I've won over my sister Leah. The daughters. The daughters heard Rachel say, Naphtali. The daughters heard Rachel say, I've blessed with my older sister and I won. And when Rachel announced Naphtali to the daughters, that was too humiliating for Leah. And Rachel got to Leah by bragging about her defeat over Leah to the daughters. And when Rachel said in verse 9 that she had prevailed over Leah and defeated Leah, Rachel got the daughters to call Leah defeated. And Leah didn't want the daughters to call her defeated. And so when Leah said in verse 13, the daughters will call me blessed, that shows that Leah did not want the daughters to call her defeated. Leah wanted the daughters to call her blessed. And because she wanted, because Leah wanted the daughters to call her blessed, Leah had the fear of man. And because Leah had the fear of man, she fell into the snare of unbelief. Not believing that God knew what was best for Leah. Leah could have put her trust in the Lord to do what he saw best for her, but instead, because of the fear of what the daughters would call Leah, Leah said, I don't care about what God thinks is best for me right now. I don't care about God right now. All I care about right now is that Rachel has gotten the daughters to call me defeated. And if God does not give me children so that the daughters will stop calling me defeated, then I'll go get children without God, and I'll cause those daughters to call me blessed. And when Leah had the fear of man, the fear of the daughters, that they were going to call her defeated, she fell into this, the fear of man. The fear of man bringeth the snare, Proverbs 29, 25. So we've seen how Leah succumbed to the fear of man, the fear of the daughters, and fell into the snare of unbelief. 
We've seen how Abraham succumbed to the fear of man, fell into the snare of unbelief. We've seen how Aaron succumbed to fear, fell into the snare of unbelief. We've seen how King Saul succumbed to fear, fell into the fear of unbelief. And, and Peter, he succumbed, he fell. So with all these great ones succumbing and falling to the snare, we're left with the haunting question, is there any hope for us? Is there any hope for us that we're not going to succumb to the fear of man, that we're not going to fall into the great unbelief? Are we greater than Leah, Abraham, Aaron, King Saul, and Peter? That's quite a list. What's our hope to not succumb to the fear of man and fall into the snare of unbelief? Well, we've seen the first answer to our question, what really was it that brought Leah down from the mountaintop of praising the Lord, fear of man? Now we come to now the second question. We're looking at the second question. What is it that could have kept her from falling off the mountain that can keep us from falling off the mountain? And this is where the last part of the verse in Proverbs 29 really helps us. And it says in Proverbs 29, 25, and especially the meaning of a particular Hebrew word in there. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the, the fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. See, whoso put us in touch in the Lord shall be safe. And that's what goes along with Proverbs 16, 20. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. But the word that really gives us the clue is the word safe. It's the word sagab. Let me tell you, show you a place where it's used, sagab. It's in Psalm 91, 14. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him, and I will set him on high because he hath known my name. That's the word sagab. He hath set me on high. That's the word safe in Proverbs 29, 25. Set me on high. See, the idea is high. It's an inaccessible. It's the same word sagab is used in Psalm 139, 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. It's unreachable. See, That's the meaning behind Proverbs 18, 10. That's sagab again. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. What do you do in a tower? You go up the stairway. You're high. See, then it's Psalm 125.1. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, way up there, which cannot be removed, which abideth forever. So how are we to be kept from seeing ourselves as Leah did in an arena of competition as Leah did with Rachel and all these other daughters in the bleachers? And Leah said, the daughters will call me blessed in verse 13. She's saying that she's got her eyes on those bleachers up there. She's got her eyes. You ever watch politicians? Sometimes they talk to this, but they're really talking to the camera. You know, <laughs> so that was her problem. Well, the problem was the way of life. And it's described in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. For we are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body, present with the Lord, Wherefore, we labor, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. See, that's a type of life walk. That's a type of walk in life called walking by faith, not by sight. Leah was walking by sight on the daughters and was concerned about what they would say. Leah should have been walking by faith for their eyes on God who cannot be seen. But to walk by faith is the opposite of walking by sight. Daughters could be seen. God cannot be seen. God told Abraham, you walk by faith when you can't see me, Abraham. But he said in Genesis 17, 1, I am almighty God. Walk before me. Be thou perfect. See, walking before God, walking by faith, is trying to please God who cannot be seen. 
Walking by faith is to care about those who can be seen, what they say. Walk by faith is to do what it says in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God in the unseen. To set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You're dead with Christ. Your life is hid with God, with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. Do you get the sense of what they're talking about there? They're talking about future. When he's going to appear, then you'll appear. Future. After you die, or the rapture, or whatever. Not now. Future. The verse we're considering you're talking about faith here, set aside, has a very important context. When it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7-9, it says, walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident, willing, willing rather, to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Why are we talking about absence from the body and presence of the Lord when we're talking about walking by faith, walk by sight? Because that will determine how you walk. We labor, he says, we labor. It's our work today. Whether we're present or absent, we may be accepted of him. See, the context is about dying. It's about being absent from the body and present with the Lord. And so our minds are immediately directed to think about when we die and when we will be absent from this body and present with the Lord. As we think about that, we're called on to live this life in our bodies that we're now in, walking by faith. In other words, for what we can't see, not by sight. In other words, live our lives with the expectation that we will have to give an account of ourselves to God. That's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. If Leah was walking by faith and not by sight, she'd be trusting the Lord. She'd be kept safe, high above all those daughters and all their gossip, and above the cares of what what they're going to call her. And she'd be thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to leave this body. I'm going to be present with the Lord. And when I'm present with the Lord, let me think now. I wonder if he's going to want to hear me say, boy, that Rachel really was a rat. And when she said she wrestled with me and won, Boy, God, I want you to know I showed her who was boss. I got those daughters to call me blessed. I knocked her down. She's thinking, maybe that's not what he's going to want to hear. <laughs> and if Leah was living her life dwelling with Jehovah Jesus and seeking to have his approval and thinking about when she's going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord, then she'd say, you know, that's not the report that I want to bring before God. I don't care what those daughters are going to call me. I care about what God's going to call me. And I'm going to live my life more concerned about what God's going to call me rather than what those daughters will call me. That's the way of victory for Leah. That's the way of victory for us to not to succumb to the fear of man and fall into the snare of unbelief. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Leah and for you being the God of Leah and to work with her step by step. Thank you for being our God and for showing us these things this morning so that we can put our faith and trust in you, and not have the fear of man. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711 
330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries, reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.